undercurrent. As a painter, you have to have the courage to ruin a painting. That's painter Rodney Dixon, whose show Rodney Dixon Paintings 2009 to 2019 opens this Thursday, September 5th at Undercurrent, 70 John Street in Dumbo. The opening begins at 6 p.m., and you can learn more about the show by visiting Undercurrent's website at undercurrent70.org. That's undercurrent70.org. With me today is Undercurrent's Adriana Furlong, who sat down with Dixon for an interview you'll hear later. In the meantime, thanks, Adriana, for coming here and talking to me. Thank you for having me. So, Adriana, tell me, who is Rodney Dixon? Rodney Dixon is one of those artists who, although he grew up in Northern Ireland, a place of violent tension, has overcome that through his art. His painting is not in direct reference to his origins, but has transcended it to create poetry. This non-narrative way of working actually creates pieces that are more personable, able to be accessed by everybody. The work is so linked with time and the pieces embody a constant state of flux. I think that really creates work that becomes a part of the fabric of the landscape and really holds up on its own. Tell me about this show, Rodney Dixon Paintings 2009 to 2019 at Undercurrent. The show exhibits four of Rodney's large works, eight feet tall and five feet wide, as well as a few smaller works that are about two by two feet. The multi-layered, almost excessive use of impasto in the paintings creates a visual confrontation with the observer that is hard to match. Each piece feels like it is striving to become its own entity, separate from the one before, and Rodney references this when talking about his way of working. He says that whenever he finishes a painting, he takes two weeks off and works on nothing else, as he wants each painting to be alone, not connected to a previous one. I think that's something that artists and I personally can relate to as I definitely take time between my works to ensure that each one is a singular mode of expression, not kind of referenced by the one before or, or any other, you know, art or information I get. Could you describe one of his paintings? Yeah, um, my favorite work in the show is one of his large pieces, eight feet by five feet. It's almost like a amusing on, on Monet, and the, the background is this kind of impressionistic scene that is at once being destroyed and pulsating with this heavily um, layered paint. You get the kind of sense that this is a scene that's been warped by him and that is actually in a constant state of change. That layering you mentioned, that's what you mean by impasto, right? Correct. So the show is just paintings then? No, not at all. The largest work is in fact Shantytown, a work Rodney started around 2010 after spending some time in Yangon working for the State Department. It takes up the entire back wall of the space and it has never been exhibited outside of Rodney's studio. The piece is built from various painters' rags that he has assembled to create a giant work that almost feels like an installation about globalization, poverty, and real estate. But at the same time, Shantytown is also very poetic and suggests the fantasy of going from rags to riches. It reflects, then, both Rodney's time in Southeast Asia and the original Irish shanty towns here in New York City. 
It's hard to view without thinking about 19th century violence against migrants that we see again today in Europe and the US. Additionally, the entrance to Undercurrent features over 20 of Rodney's sketchbooks mounted on the walls, like a parade of Gideon Bibles, giving a view into the artist's creative process. Adriana, you mentioned time before, and now you mentioned process. What role does time play in Rodney Dixon's paintings? Yeah, to speak about the impasto in Rodney's work, one has to sort of bypass the act of the heavily layering in an act of itself and see it more from a conceptual viewpoint of covering and the continual change of the human psyche. That is why I think that these paintings have such a human presence. They are immediate, and they embody Rodney's desire to capture that feeling, that idea that so many artists feel are just at arm's reach. That act, that striving to capture the present, is what makes his paintings so great. Excellent. Thanks for talking with me. Thank you for having me. That's Undercurrent's Adriana Furlong, and now here's Adriana's conversation with Rodney Dixon. It's interesting to reflect on your work as an Irish person living in America with a plethora of layered identities that are paralleled in your work, which, while not containing explicit narratives, brings to mind the layering and scraping away of history. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's true. <laughs> that's kind of what I do with my work. I work at it over a long period of time and add to it and subtract to it. One of the reasons is that I'm trying to create some history, trying to create some, some personality in the work. I believe that they reference um, the real world in that way. I, for example, don't really um, agree with the term abstract paintings that it's applied to my work because I think that certainly non-figurative would be fine, but abstract seems to imply, in my opinion, something separate from life. And I think that my work um, addresses the human condition and What's more real than that? And growing up in Northern Ireland with the Discord as a child, you referenced before that it was more kind of about the boredom you felt um, and the lack of the ability to feel or experience anything else than what was happening at the time. Mm-hmm. How do you think that affects your work? I think, first of all, that, that just about everybody of my generation who grew up in Northern Ireland would be fucked up in some kind of a way. Growing up surrounded by violence where there was nothing really else happening. In my case, it made me um, curious about human nature, about human beings, uh, curious about politics and religion and and society. And um, it's not hard to see how that can connect with being an artist. Uh, I wasn't an artist at that time. I was just growing up. Whenever I became one, it's not hard to see how that kind of thing plays into what many artists deal with. One of the things that interested me maybe was um, people put under extreme pressure on what effect it has on them. Um, So people talk about my paintings sometimes as being violent or aggressive, which I'm not sure if I agree with, but, but people say that. People also talk about them being sensitive and beautiful, which is more like what I like to think, but there's a mixture of both and um, again in that way it reflects, uh, you know, the human race. Right, I mean, 
I think a lot of people connote your work to kind of a violence, but I see it much more of a uncovering of kind of history or some sort of digging into the past because there's a big element of time in your work in which it affects like what you add, what you take away within the everyday of your inner psyche too, yeah. Yes, I think so. I mean, there's a violence in them, but there's a violence in life. But I think that um, in the end, what's revealed is a positive thing. For, 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 for me, a, a lot of the so-called violence in the work, it, it, it might stem from not being precious with what you've just painted. Yeah. And I think that's very important for a painter to be prepared to spend all day or all week or all month working on something and just destroy it because it's not right. And there's no point in being sentimental about it, it's not going to get you anywhere. And a bad painting that you, you love is still a bad painting. So I uh, destroy it and try and do a better one. And uh, whenever I used to teach um, students in art colleges in England, often <laughs> they would say to me, what do you think of my new painting? And I would say, and I'm not trying to be rude, but I would say to them, why don't you get a bucket of black paint and throw it over it and start again? That might be better. And that's not because I'm saying that the painting is bad or anything. It's just because that's what you need to do. You need to have the courage to do that and you need to be ambitious enough to want to do that. You know, at the end of the day, it's just a painting. It's not a person, there's nobody going to die because you destroy a painting that day, I hope. So just um, get on with it and, and see what comes out the other end. There's also a potential connection to Buddhism or a spirituality that places importance on not creating attachments. Um, a sensibility that when applied to art can be really freeing. Um, would you say spirituality has any place in your work? The word spirituality is a word I, seek, I try to avoid. Um, but it's exactly appropriate to my work. Um, I just somehow don't like the sound of it. That's what it's about. Um, I'm, I'm not religious, I'm not Buddhist, I'm not anything like that. Of course, I work in Asia a lot, so I know many, many people who are Buddhist and I'm familiar with sort of what it's about, you know. Uh, the thing that I probably would say is that they're meditative. A few years ago, having the first time I had a show in Taiwan, and some Taiwanese people asked me how to explain my work, and uh, ended up, because they didn't understand Western art history or contemporary art in the West, or maybe even any art history anywhere. Um, and I said to them, it doesn't matter, don't be put off by anything. You probably do understand meditation. And just spend time with them and I think that they will have an effect on you, like a meditation. And if they don't, that's okay too, because it doesn't always happen. But that's the way to approach the work. The apparent ease with which you scrape away and in some ways distort what was worked on before feels like a desire to be in a constant state of flux. Mm. Would you say that's true for you? Yes, I would. I want it to be exciting, and I'm trying to make it exciting for for me. I think that's why I would uh, prefer to be a painter, 
than let's say a filmmaker or, or a sculptor or something like that because uh, uh, in a painting you can change it in one second and you could do a painting in one second you could take a bucket of paint and throw it over a canvas and it would be done and I'm not sure it would be a good painting or a bad one but it would be a painting you know so you could you can change it that quickly and I think that's very exciting and I'm not sure you can do that with, with, with other art mediums um, so um, so scraping off and adding and that kind of thing I think it keeps it exciting because it's always changing and someday hopefully it will be finished but then you start the next one so it continues right and we were talking the other day about it's not necessarily a penchant for impasto that you're looking for it's uh, you could do a thin painting but it's much more about the everyday and um, being able to go back and change and treat the painting almost as its own being um, when when would you say a painting is finished for you when it stands on its own I, I, what I'm trying to do is to discount all the possibilities that don't seem quite right I think it's a bit like boiling down your pasta sauce to its essence you know mm. and Italians will do that for hours um, and I think it's that sort of thing you know my paintings potentially could be finished many times and sometimes I think they are and I leave them and and then it, it just doesn't seem right it seems like I'm trying to come up with something that I haven't done before and every painting I do I, I, I try to make different from the last one and I mean for for example whenever I finish a big painting I uh, will, will never work on another one for at least two weeks and even if I want to I won't allow myself to it's, it's a thing I've been doing over the last few years and the reason for that is I want each painting to be its own thing not to be connected to the previous one so if I just finish the blue one that I really like, maybe the temptation is to do another blue one. Well, I want to forget about the blue one before I start the next one. To get it finished, I think there comes a point where it, it seems it could exist in the real world without me to look after it any longer. I, uh, what, what I think about my work is that a lot of people say they get a landscape feeling from it. Uh, it doesn't look like any landscape I've ever seen, but I think that, uh, I think that people get that sense of it. And I, I like that, I'm into that. I think that the, the, the connection with nature is, is important to me. And what I'm trying to say is there's a, I think my paintings have form and structure and they're not just flat and, and fall apart I, to, to me there comes a point where it sort of holds together like, 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 a, like something in the real world and the way I have thought about them before is that they're like a kind of a, a, a natural um, phenomenon, so, so something that we have never seen before but if you saw it you would know it was real so for example I've never seen a nuclear explosion but if I saw one, I would presumably know it was real. So I think of them in that way. And at some point, I think they begin to get that. And then they might be finished. Um, uh, so somebody once described 
somebody who just bought a painting off of me some years ago and then she wrote me a message the next day a, a large painting and she spoke to me about the but living with the painting was like living with a person and it had this aura um, that, that uh, she felt in, 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 in her house and she said it much more eloquently than I have just done but um, I uh, I thought that was what I wanted to hear you know? and I think the idea of time is such an important um, facet to that because it, if the original kind of image or narrative had been taken from a landscape it's been disintegrated it's it's almost pulsating with its own life force now which is, mm -hmm. is so it's beautiful that's what I try to do <laughs> the titled shantytown piece came together due to inspiration from the colorful and resourceful homes in um, South Asia many families living in these makeshift places of refuge that most often cling to the periphery of big cities I referenced something that was touched upon in Julius's write-up, the rags-to-riches mentality that has such a presence in many rapidly industrializing Asian cities. There is, like, in America, a stark contrast between the haves and the have-nots. So kind of this makeshift home that you're making. I worked, uh, I worked with, the, with the State Department. I worked for the U.S. Embassy in, um, in Yangon in 2010 or something like that. I um, grew up with this idea whenever I come home to, to start this kind of shanty time painting um, and it had it was referencing that kind of housing that I saw there. Um, it has um, it has continued since then to probably become something else because it's taken on its own thing and it has been growing in my studio for about 10 years. But I think it still has a kind of shanty time feel to it. Um, but what I probably, I have probably changed my thinking about my artwork too over 10 years. And I now think of it as being more meditative than, than, than referencing shanty time housing. Yeah. But it, it still does, it still has that look of bits and pieces of stuff cobbled together. Much like your paintings, like perhaps at one point there may have been a, a narrative that could be referenced, but over time, as you've changed, as your thinking has changed, it's been literally covered up with layers of paint. Yes, well, I mean, we, we, we travel through the world and things change, so over a period of 10 years, an artist's work might change, I think. I feel as if you know, Shantytown, this piece, is almost a sculptural expansion upon your paintings, and something that really relates to temporality as an influence of constant change upon the piece. Um, it's a piece that is always in progress, can be added upon, stripped away, similar to your layers of paint. It feels like it's an expansion upon your paintings. You're right, it is. And uh, I kind of work on it in the same way as I work on my other paintings too. But it's just that the material's a bit different. Beginning to think it's interesting to see the work exhibited in the way it is here. I say I'm beginning to because we haven't finished the show yet, so I don't know. But it looks like it's interesting, an interesting curatorial idea that they have had here because they pretty much came up with it whenever I was in China. 
um, and uh, I go along with it. Um, so I think it's interesting to see um, different sort of bodies of my work exhibited like as one piece, um, which I suppose they exist like that in my studio, but in my studio I'm not looking at them like it's an exhibition. So um, here I think it's, um, as I said, it looks to me like it's an interesting way to try to look at my work. Something Frank Auerbach said about his process that has always interested me, especially as a connection to you, um, as there is a utilization of heavy impasto in both of your works. It's not necessarily for him about the act of making a thick painting as much as it is about his lack of courage to scrape away what he had just done, um, the need to continue despite something perhaps not working out. I think there, and yet, as he says, there's a lack of courage. I think there's a, you both, have a lot of courage in continuing. Did, did he say he had a lack of courage? <laughs> did he? <laughs> I never heard him say that. Uh, I, I would say he has a lot of courage. I mean, I was, the, 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 there's older work in the show here where I was skipping off paint less than I am now and letting it build up and um, it's sort of nostalgic for me to see it like that and, and, and I think there's something probably good about that. But if you had to lift them as we did today, then you would rather strip it off. <laughs> um, it, I think it, it, you know, whatever, it's whatever works for you at that time, strip it off or build it up. It's sort of, it sort of is about the same thing in the end of the day. I don't care about the texture or anything like that. People talk about that. Uh, I'm, I'm just trying to achieve whatever it is. My ambition is for, for that painting, and it should it be thick or thin paint, it doesn't matter to me. Um, but um, I think it's uh, just practically for the way that I work, the paint has to be not liquid because it would just be a mess. I mean, it might be a mess anyway, but a different kind of a mess. You have to be able to control where it's placed. Yeah, if you put it somewhere, it has to stay there. Um, and, if, and, and, and if not, then it's just going to be a sea of mud, um, which might be beautiful, but it's not what I'm trying to do. Finally, we're all interested in your collection of motorbikes. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> How does your love of motorbikes and painting overlap? I don't know. I think that there's a sort of a um, bit of a living on the edge kind of thing about painting and motorcycles. I think that Paintings are a lot less dangerous. There's an adrenaline rush that you get sometimes riding a motorcycle. You also get that sometimes painting whenever you finish it and you think it's great. And there's that moment that I think only artists have. And maybe it's the reason one wants to be an artist. Because finally you might get there and, and, and you have that moment. There's a, sometimes I'm, get that from riding a motorcycle. I mean, I used to do motorcycle paintings, but you don't know that, you haven't seen them. And um, I'm very happy to do motorcycle paintings, but um, I do them for a bit of fun, you know? Yeah, I think that's sort of the connection and, and sort of a connection of um, 
it's hard to link the danger of riding riding a motorcycle to the danger of painting because there's no danger in painting. I mean, but but the danger that's there is that you have to, you might ruin a painting you've worked on for a long time. Um, so in that way, that's a, a, a different kind of danger. But I think that there's living on the edge in that way that can be connected to a motorcycle. And as we talked about earlier on, as a painter, you have to have the courage to ruin a painting. You know, nothing wrong with doing a bad painting. If you never did a bad painting, you'd probably never do a good one. Uh, so fuck them up a few times and do you no harm, you know? <laughs> do you approach writing in the same way as painting? Do you have a ritual in the studio that you go through before starting or So I don't have a ritual before I start painting, but I um I try to get in to get into that state right away. Um what what I do is not a ritual but what one would see me do is I sit and look at a painting for um, hours or days at certain points or before I start a new one I think I would probably sit and look at the empty space for um, maybe for some days and um, it's sort of um, probably trying to make some connection with it you know and uh, if uh, if it's a painting that I'm working on, I might sit and look at it for, in fact, I always do sit and look at them for some days. And I, just, I don't know, to make some connection with it and to uh, f find what's wrong with it or something like that. And maybe in the end there's nothing wrong with it and I decide it's finished. But um, I tend to spend a lot of time doing that. Um, and at certain points, little bit of painting but not much but I mean looking at it's painting and thinking about it's painting it all has to happen right. you because know? it seems you give a lot of respect to each painting as its own entity mm. Mm. I mean there's periods of inactivity where you want the following painting to be something completely new and um, it's admirable to kind of be questioning all the time your likes and dislikes your subconscious thoughts and allow for something that is new to come through but mm -hmm. you seem to work pretty fast once you get into that state mm -hmm. every time i paint i paint the whole thing so every session is a, a new painting a different one from the previous session they're all connected they're all they're all on the same path but but it, but they're different so i do work very quickly whenever i'm on the go and i um probably often, probably not always, but probably often I will finish a painting um, in, in a few moments after looking at it for days or after working on it for weeks or months and um, that final session work that's finished often is only a few minutes and um, that's I think what I want it's in that moment that you're existing in. If you can finish it in a few, a few moments, a few minutes or whatever, it's like moments, like you're in the moment, you're in that time. A brief glimpse of time. Uh, yes, and, and it's not about something you did a month ago, which time moves on, you know? So to, I think to finish it very quickly is to finish it in the time that you're existing in. 
I like it whenever they end that way. They don't always sound that way, but, but I think they often do. Well, thank you so much for talking to us. Uh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for talking to me. <laughs> Rodney Dixon Paintings 2009 to 2019 opens this Thursday, September 5th at Undercurrent, 70 John Street in Dumbo, a short walk from the York Street F-stop. The opening begins at 6 p.m. and the show closes on September 28th. For more information on the show, including Undercurrent's gallery hours, please see the website undercurrent70.org. Again, that's undercurrent70.org. I'm Wasir P. Desapereira, and thanks for listening.